going on, everybody? This is Eric Elliott back with another episode of the Refocus Nutrition Podcast. This week we have on a very special guest, and we have on Noah Olson again, a very special returning guest. Uh, for those of you who don't remember, Noah was on uh, just after the Open this year, I believe in, in April. We were talking about kind of his Open experience, um, missing out on games qualification, and what his route was for getting to the CrossFit Games this year. Um, and he ended up getting a qualification uh, from, actually, he got from Wadapalooza. So he ended up making the games this year, and he did what he set out to accomplish in what he talked about in his last episode of finishing second place. So um, Noah gave Matt Fraser a run for his money this year, for sure. Uh, multi, multi-winning games athlete. Um, he held the leader, leader jersey at least a couple different occasions and uh for almost an entire day um and you know was holding on to a good position heading into sunday um but just wasn't able to hold on to first place but was able to stand atop the podium or stand on the podium uh for the first time ever in his career which was something he put on his goal list from i think the day he set into crossfit as a sport um so noah talks a little bit about that what that meant to him and where he wants to take this in the future because He's still carrying on that happy but hungry mantra. Um, and that's one of the things I took away from this interview the most was that, you know, there's different types of athletes when it comes to what that might look like in terms of being at the top of the sport. Um, whereas you, if you look at someone like Matt Fraser, rightly or wrongly, he definitely carries that m- mantra or that uh, persona that, you know, he's, he's almost angry for first place when he get, when he loses an event or doesn't finish first he's pissed off i think he said something to that effect in the past before whereas noah uh again rightly or wrongly this is just individual differences noah really goes into like the fact that he's happy to be there and still pushing for for more within that and he just tried to spend this year at the open not getting too too bogged down in the day-to-day results of of the uh, of the games, but just tried to enjoy himself and let his fitness kind of manifest itself. Um, but that's enough from me, guys. If you enjoyed this episode, please give me a rating and review. It definitely helps on iTunes. Um, but not only that, if you're looking to get some nutrition coaching, if you're looking to get some help with the food that's going into your mouth on a day-to-day basis, definitely reach out to me. Reach out to me either via email at Eric Elliot or Elliot Eric twenty nine at gmail dot com or Shoot me a DM on Instagram at I am Eric Elliott. And yeah, we can talk. We can talk about how we can help you. We can talk about how we want to finish out 2019 and how we want to set yourself up so that 2020 is the best year you've had yet and you're not being bogged down by cycle after cycle of crappy diets that just don't work and leave you year after year in the exact same place. Okay? So yeah, definitely reach out to me if you want to. But for now, guys, this is the interview with Noah Olson. All right, guys, and we are back with another um, returning guest. We have on this year's second fittest male on earth. We have on Noah Olson. Noah, welcome back to the show. And, uh, yeah, congratulations on on an awesome run at this year's games. Um, I know this is on your goal list and something you talked about the last time you were on before, you know, for years you wanted to get on the podium. So it must feel awesome to be – to have that accomplishment on your belt now. It does indeed. And it feels like quite an accomplishment to be invited back on the podcast. I feel like that (laughs) means the first time was not a fluke and it was entertaining enough that you wanted me back for a second one. So I appreciate that. And thanks to everybody listening, but yeah, Yeah. I mean, it feels good. Yeah. I mean, you must've said a couple of things that that made me want to get you back for sure. Um, But like this year in general has just been kind of a crazy year for you. Cause I mean, if you, I think you made a post about it on Instagram at some point after the games, just mentioning the fact, you know, like your games qualification was <laughs> completely different. It, I mean, for, it was different for everybody, but yours mm-hmm. was rather unique as well. You got engaged, you went on the podium, and I'm sure there's a lot of life events in there that I'm not even privy to that, that have gone in there as well. So like if you were to think back or to, to this time last year, did, could you have, or did you have, thought that all of this was was possible inside of just one year yeah it's really interesting for sure that 
there's so much that can happen in a short time frame, and and it doesn't. It didn't even looking back. It didn't feel like a whirlwind of like everything happening all at once. But a lot of stuff did happen from moving back to Miami to getting engaged to the new structure of the season, my parents splitting up, which I got heavily involved in and was not a good situation at all. So that was kind of dragging me down and impacting a little bit of everything else in my life. Um, and then to kind of wrap up the year, I guess I look at my year kind of seasonally, like through the CrossFit games, I'm sure other people look at it as the traditional, like January to December, but I now kind of think of a year as almost February to August, right? Cause that's kind of our CrossFit season. And so this year slash season wrapped up for me in the best way that it has so far. And that's amazing, but it's not a couple people said like, Oh man, this year has been such a good year for you. And if you look at just that, then yeah, for sure it has, but it's also been a really, really difficult year. And I think it's good and healthy to acknowledge that. And it's realistic. And there were a lot of ups and downs and it's not all sunshines and rainbows and there's tough stuff. But I think if it's a little bit of a testament to the fact that if you kind of push through that stuff, then the reward at the end can be even sweeter. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, I think that's just a testament that um, people, people like it's a sobering thought for people to hear just because, you know, it's, it's easy to sit on the outside of athletics and the sport and see pictures of yourself standing on the podium with a smile on your face and think it is all sunshine and rainbows. I mean, what does he have to be unhappy about or struggle through, right? He's a professional athlete who's doing well in the sport, right? Like suck right. it up. It's fine. Um, so I think it's, I think it's good that you share that vulnerability with some of the, the shittier parts of the year, if you will, um, that you kind of went through kind of taking you into to the start of the game season this year. I mean, um, like, like we mentioned before, it was a bit of a unique scenario for you. you didn't qualify out of the open. Um, and then last time we talked, it was just before you were going to, um, going to different sanctionals and you went to Italy, didn't quite qualify there. Uh, although you did relatively well. And then you, you went to rogue, um, didn't qualify out of there, but I mean, at that point you had already secured a spot. So it was a little bit different that way, but what were your thoughts going into the games this year with your standings and sanctionals before? Um, did it, did your, did those standings have any thoughts or put any thoughts in your head and what your expectations were heading into the games? Big time. Yeah, for sure. Specifically the rogue invitational, I think coming off, I think an eighth place finish there. And mm -hmm. I just had a, a weird weekend mentally and physically. I, I kind of had the thought in my head that weekend, like, man, I just can't hang with these guys anymore. And I don't know what it was. And, I, and I'm sure there was a combination of factors that led to that. I was coming off of the Italy competition only two weeks before. And the back end of that trip in Italy was all a, a celebratory vacation for me, which I wouldn't take back for anything because Joanne and I got engaged out there and we enjoyed that experience and traveled around, but I didn't train for an entire week or more and then went right into competing at Rogue with some of the best athletes in the world in our sport. And so I think that was just kind of a, a bad combo there for me and it left me a little mentally down in the dumps and questioning whether or not I could still compete and if I wanted to and just really didn't enjoy the experience overall and the way I felt physically and mentally there. And so it's funny to like look at that experience and doubting whether or not I could even still be competitive in general in the sport. And then three or four months later and I'm competing with the best guy in the sport and almost winning the entire thing across the world. So again, I think that's just a, a lesson for me that hopefully I can share with other people that like not everything's going to be perfect, but don't give up. And that was kind of what I had to remind myself like, Hey, this is just one little piece of the puzzle. And this was one weekend and don't let that rattle you. You can come back from that. And I'm happy that I was semi able to. What are some like tactics and ways that you go about battling that, like that imposter syndrome, if you will, in terms of like 
you know, there's a lot of time at the at the games. Like, there's I think you guys had you know 14 events ish or something like that. I can't remember the exact number, but you know, there's a lot of downtime. You know, whether that's at the hotel, whether that's you know just between events when you're being corralled. How do you how do you navigate that that voice inside your head saying you're not good enough uh, to to kick with them or to hang with them? Because I'm sure that even even as you had the white jersey on, that must have been in there somewhere. I think typically the week of the games is filled with the most doubt for all of us. You know, all of us enjoy training all year, I would assume, for the most part. And then you show up to the CrossFit Games. And I was actually talking to Guido, who's a good, good friend of mine, about why CrossFit might be almost a little more riddled with that pressure and doubt than other sports. And he had a good point. He said that during the weekend of competition, you experience the, it's like you're starting from scratch with those feelings of doubt and having to push through that and be confident in yourself and perform through them every single time. I think you just said maybe there were 14 events at the games this year and all 14 of them, you're, you're having to step up and conquer that doubt like once and once again, whereas most sports, it's like one game, right? You have, the, the game lasts an hour and you experience the doubt ahead of time and then you play through the game and it's over. And then maybe, I mean, there's a game every weekend or whatever the case may be, but it's kind of different in our sport that it's not just the one event and then it's over. It's multiple times throughout the week. So having to battle that that many times is pretty tough. Um, and I know that for me, usually I, I really struggle with that in the past and it just the doubt in general and the anxiety just made me really not enjoy the weekend overall, very uncomfortable through the week of the games. And I kind of like couldn't wait for the games to be over. And after experiencing that for five years, I kind of decided this year, I don't want that to be my memory of the games. And if like I was thinking at rogue, I don't have too much time left competing in the sport. I want to have some positive memories of competing. So this year I decided, you know what, I am going to, kind of zoom out from just being in my head that weekend and look at it for what it is and really enjoy the experience of being able to compete on the biggest stage in the world. I have friends that used to compete at the games that don't anymore. And whereas in my mind, I'm almost envious of them because I'm like, wow, they don't have to deal with that pressure anymore. It must be nice. They say, no, man, I would give anything to be back out there competing. So I tried to take it from that perspective and, really just appreciate the experience and enjoy my time and have fun with it. And I did. And I think that that really helped this year for me to be able to be myself and compete the way that I train. And it was a whole different experience. And I really, really enjoyed the week of the games this year for the first time ever. Yeah. I think that that showed and it it shows from some of the third person stories that I've heard in other podcasts since the games, like I heard uh, Saxon Panchik talking about, um, before you guys walked out for that one-on-one uh, tiebreaker battle, you kind of you, you you looked at him and just said like, when the fans were standing up and cheering, like do it for the fans or do it for this or whatever, something to that effect. Which is, is totally right. Like you're passing along some knowledge to a rookie guy that um, was probably you know nervous as hell at that at that point of sure. competition for sure. When it yeah. comes to the games and 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 this season, because there's so much change that went on, that was kind of my thoughts initially like what were your thoughts on uh when it comes to just the games the new format because the the big cut that was there i know you obviously made it past the cut but there were some big names like say street horner and, and Tim Holt, <clears throat> other guys that just didn't make it past that even even that first cut when that yeah. before that workout was announced and even i guess after were your thoughts like how nervous do you get for a workout like that even though that you know you know, you're better than some of the national champions that are, that are there for sure. Um, you know, I, going into this year, the structure changed with the cuts. People ask the same question, like, are you nervous about that? And I actually felt the opposite about it. I was happy when they announced that because I felt like, all right, I've finished at the top 10 in the CrossFit games almost every single year that I've competed. So I have the confidence that I should be able to make it through to the final cut. And with that being said, the fact that at the end of every day or every workout, I will have something 
as like a little micro goal to check off and have accomplished, I felt like I was looking forward to that because in years past, it's just four days of no reward and point accumulation. And then at the very last day, it's like, okay, this is the final standings. But now it's kind of like these little, again, micro goals that at the end of each day, you can be like, yes, celebrate the fact that you made it on to the next stage. For sure. Yeah. And I could definitely see how that would be the case from one of the questions I had after the fact, and, and this is thinking about, you know, athletes like Street Hordner and like Tim Paulson, who I believe I could be wrong, are making, you know, a, a livelihood from their performance, from their competition season. Right. How hard is it to watch athletes like that where you know that that's the case? And for the same uh, as yourself, right? Like you're a professional athlete. I, I, don't, I don't know, you know, what that entails in terms of sponsorships, you know, potentially falling off. But I mean, the, the better you finish, the better your sponsorship dollars probably are. So how hard is that to see someone that, you know, takes their livelihood like that and, you know, they're gone after just one event? Dude, yeah, it was pretty heartbreaking, to be honest. I'm a pretty empathetic person. And so the way that they did the cuts is a little insight for everybody that wasn't there behind the scenes. They basically had all 150 athletes sit up in the bleachers in the warm-up area. And then one by one, based off our placement, would call us down if we made the cut to stand on the floor, basically. So if they called your name, you'd get up from the bleachers, walk down and stand behind the table that the person who was calling the names was sitting at. And so after they called off the 75 people that made the first cut, it's basically a big group of us standing there looking back at everyone in the bleachers that hadn't made it. And that was really rough. It was very heavy on my heart to like look back and see those guys, Tim and Street and a bunch of other guys that didn't make the cut. And you're literally like 20 feet away from them face to face. And some of them are crying. Some of them are just ashamed and have their heads buried in their hands. And I don't know. I feel like they probably could have done that in a, a more sensitive way. And mm -hmm. who knows, maybe they don't want it to be sensitive. Dave Castro's cutthroat and military and all that stuff. But I personally really felt for those guys. So I actually tried to, after each cut, go up and shake everybody's hand and give them a high five and uh, just kind of tell them it was nice to meet them and hope to see them back next year. Yeah. And that, like you said, that is, it is super hard. I'm, I can only imagine it, it does seem really cutthroat when it comes to something like that. Um, and that's one of the things it sounds like is changing next year from, I mean, from this discussion is just hearing that they're going to go to an every second counts um, method, uh, similar to mm -hmm. like they did in 2007, 2008, and giving those national champions as well as everybody else kind of three events uh, to start off with. What were your thoughts on that change if, if you'd heard it before we just mentioned it here? Uh, yeah, I heard Armin mention something about that. And I don't know, kind of similar to the way I just rolled with the punches as they announced the changes last season. Like, I, it is what it is. There's All I can do is go and do my best in this new environment. So um, I don't have any like positive or negative thoughts about it. I think in general, it is cool. And it's good that it'll give people more opportunities to showcase uh, a well-rounded fitness. But um, I don't think it changes anything for me approach-wise. I'm still going to try to show up and be the fittest that I can and be as balanced as I can across whatever those tests are before the cuts are made. Yeah, and I think that's I, I think it's a good thing that you don't get too too caught up in it just because like it's something that you you know it's not necessarily in your control at all. Like you can't right. really do much to to affect it that way. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of athletes will even try to like predict the events and oh I heard this and I think it might be this and then I saw this piece of equipment and I older asked me like what do you think the first event is going to be and I was like man you know I don't want to even start to think about any of that because if you do wrap your mind around what you heard it's going to be or what you think it might be and they announce it and it's something completely different you're going to be so much more rattled than everybody else that's just mm -hmm. finding it out for the first time so I don't think it's worth doing any of that wasting your mental energy on it absolutely so when it comes to your previous games years and we just go through this first two days um your your first two days are pretty good you, your lowest finish is the is the ruck event which is the your 24th which is you know not typically i would say something that's in your probably your wheelhouse is a long aerobic workout like that with a lot of running 
when it comes to that though, there was no, there was no like, oh shit, Noah did this, or there was, there was no wheel barrel falling over as <laughs> because we could relate. Yeah, to. was that For kind sure. of was that kind of nerve wracking to go through those first two days and be like, why is why isn't anything going wrong? No, it was great. It was like, <laughs> geez, finally it's like semi smooth sailing, and and I think that the reason that that was the case is because this year I made that decision to try to really enjoy the competition and not get so wrapped up in the placement. And, and one thing that I actually said in my head before the competition started, and I don't know if it was the right wording, but the idea was there at least was that I don't care. I literally said that I was like in my journal, I wrote, I don't care how I finish. I don't care what place I take. I just want to go and do my thing and perform to the best of my ability and enjoy the experience. And so I think that helped me not be so emotionally charged going into every event because I think beforehand other years I was thinking I've got to win this thing and I need to crush every single event. Even if it wasn't realistic, I would still go out really hot and feel like I needed to hang with the leaders and I wasn't playing the game. I was just trying to win everything and that doesn't really make sense. And so this year, I took what I would say was a little bit more of a mature approach. And on something like the Ruck Run, I thought, well, I'm probably not going to win this event. And it could be potentially catastrophic if I decide to try to hang with the leaders in the front who are running a six-minute mile with a 30-pound backpack and then three miles into that blow up and fall way off and take 50th place. Or... I can run at a pace that kind of makes sense for me that I know through my training is sustainable across a four mile run, which I determined was somewhere between a six and a half to a seven minute mile pace. And I wore a watch and I just kind of hung and did my thing and it wasn't my best finish, but Hey, it wasn't catastrophic either. So I think approaching it like that this year was helpful because it saved me from having any of those big uh ohs and, Maybe I didn't have uh, as many like home run hitting events, but I just really played the game. And when it was time to turn it on, I turned it on and went for it and got lucky that nothing bad happened there. So that was yeah. how it went down. Yeah, I think you're definitely right about that. You, you, you were better at this. You're just playing the game and staying in your lane with, with what events did well. And you talk about not hitting home runs, but like your day two was – Sprint couplet second place, Mary first place, and sprint third place. So that's a pretty good yeah. that's a pretty good day before getting into the weightlifting. Take me through that yeah. second day because um, like it was a pretty good day for you, and it was the first day that you, it was a day. I would almost call it a day of first for you, just because I believe it was the first time you've ever put on the leader jersey, and then you also won an event at Mary. So yeah, take me through that second day. Oh man, you got to go back and do your CrossFit history. I wore the leader jersey for almost a full day back in 2014. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. But yeah, it was, there were a handful of firsts that, that day for sure at the competition. I had a, what did it start with? I guess after the ruck, we had the sled event and I had a heat win and was like 0.8 seconds away from my first event win at the games, but Matt McLeod just edged me out. But that was exciting because um, that was kind of a, a little bit of a momentum shift, like nothing bad had happened. And now finally something really good had happened. So mm -hmm. that was awesome. And then they announced for the evening that we would have Mary. And man, if you could, if you were going to allow me to design a workout at the games, it would probably <laughs> be something along those lines, something with short sets of handstand pushups, bunch of pistols and a bunch of pull-ups. I was very excited for that one. I, I didn't necessarily think that I was going to win it, but I was going out there again, just willing to do my thing and let the cards fall as they may. And, uh, and yeah, it turned out to be my first ever event win, which was epic. It was the first event in the Coliseum thus far in the competition. So it was so loud and just so Oh, overwhelmingly positive to walk across the finish line to a crowd of thousands of people who are cheering you on and lifting you up. And to know that I had one was just a really cool, special feeling and moment for me. 
Yeah, and then you then you finish the day off with. I mean, you have your sprint, which you you did really well at. Um, I'm not sure. I, I'm trying to remember back what it, what, what your sprint. Um, the sprint actually ended up being on Saturday morning, so Friday oh, night ended Saturday, with yeah. Mary. Yeah, gotcha. But uh, on Friday night, actually in the middle of Mary, I knew going into that event that I was two points behind Fraser. And that there's a five point difference between first and second. So as I was kind of going back and forth with him, I had the realization, oh man, if I beat him on this event, that's going to put me in first overall. And so that kind of helped me push a little harder and ended up finishing Friday with the overall lead going into Saturday, which we started with the sprint. Gotcha. Yeah, for sure. And one of the questions I had for you was, you know, just looking at the events this year and looking at the total events and total volume, which was the hardest. I had heard a lot of people that said that the rock was like super killer and just watching the athletes, you know, <laughs> fall down in the end zone after finishing and just begging and getting into the begging for water and getting into the ice, uh, ice baths and yeah. the, uh, the, the coolers. However, you know, if you did 677 reps and, and Mary doing the math on that, it's like that's 338 pull-ups ish somewhere around there, somewhere around 300 yeah. pull-ups. That's got to be, yeah. even for yourself, that's got to be a lot of volume that hurts the next day, no? Oh, 100%. That's the most pull-ups <clears throat> I've ever done in a workout. So I was actually very nervous that I was going to be wrecked the next day. And man, believe it or not, somehow I woke up and I was like, I'm a little bit sore, but I'm not destroyed. So that was definitely a good thing um, that I was starting off the day with the leader jersey only two days of competition left to go and i was still feeling physically pretty good um the hardest event man i don't know that there was anyone in particular that was absolutely devastating um the first one was actually pretty tough run rope climb and snatch and it was just really hot then i think that's actually where a lot of those photos of like everybody crowded around the cooler and pouring water on their heads was after the first event. Um, and then the ruck similarly was just very hot, but I didn't feel wrecked after that one because I kind of paced it the way that I did. Um, the ringers actually were the, the two workouts back to back that jacked me up the most. Like I finished those and it was the first time I was like, whoa, I'm rocked. Like, I need to do something to recover right now. Otherwise, I'm going to be screwed for this next event. Kind of now that you bring it up, one of the questions I had for you and for someone that's in that last 10, 10 people um, in that ringer event, it was, it was a good format just because, like you said, there's, when, there's, when they brought it down to 10 people, you could only have those 10 people, right? And you could see, you know, peripheral vision. You could see everybody that was in your heat, I imagine. What were your guys' thoughts in the back rooms and, and I guess just initially when you saw James Newberry go out on that first bike and just murder 30 calories in less than 30 seconds? Because I imagine it was like, I mean, he didn't do well in that second event. Um, I mean, right. that ninth just because of, I'm assuming, Will Morad was, was uh, definitely hurting at that point in competition. Mm -hmm. But he did take first on that first one. So it counts for something. Yeah, man, he was jacked up. I like James a lot. He and I are buddies. And uh, I didn't really pay much attention to it while it was happening. But afterward, in the warm-up area, where I personally was feeling like I was messed up and I needed to get on the bike and flush it out and get some food in me to recover before the final, I looked at James and he was like, even 30 minutes later kind of writhing on the floor and I think he had fallen asleep on the floor with his head in his hands and you could tell that he was not feeling great so um overall I don't know I don't know if he has any regrets on it it was pretty cool obviously that he quote unquote sent it as the kids say um but yeah, I, I was trying to just kind of stay in my zone on that one. Um, I played the competition a little bit, but at that point, I mean, I think he got off the bike after 30 calories, and I was maybe just at the 20 calorie mark. So in my head, it wasn't like a, oh, crap, I got to catch up. It was like, well, all right, James is taking off. Let me see who else is going <laughs> to get off right behind him. Yeah, it was it was one of those events too that just I mean for a guy that I think I can't remember exactly where he was sitting at the time, but it was fun to watch as a as a spectator just watching a guy like you said 
completely send it and just go yeah. for that, that prize money for the event win. When it comes sure. to a day before, you have the clean workout, which was the first time that it was kind of a liftoff event. It was in terms of a one rep max-ish in terms of time. Um, obviously, like, you know, if, if it was one rep max in the gym, you might take more time between sets. You might take less time. I don't know. But when it comes to how you performed in that workout and what you thought of the overall event, this, the spectator, the spectation of it, um, mm-hmm. what were your thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was super cool. I really like that format. I've competed that way a few different times. I think at ECC, they had it kind of one barbell, everybody cycles through. And I actually, in a little YouTube video I did before the games, my media guy asked me if it was a strength event, what I would prefer. And I said something along the lines of whether it's a snatch or a clean, I hope that it's something where it's uh, either a ladder where the weights are predetermined or something like that gauntlet style, like keep going until you kind of drop out. Um, Just because when it's a max lift and it's two attempts and it's on you to decide what your weights are going to be, that adds a whole another element of stress and decision-making. And when the bar is set, it's like you're going out there and you're going to hit attempt that lift no matter what just like everybody else is so I think that's almost a a better determinant of someone's strength and fitness than their decision making so um, I liked the way that that played out it was obviously very exciting as well for people to watch and it was cool for me as a competitor stepping up to the bar when it was just that one barbell and just me lifting it I thought as I walked up to the bar each time I was like you do this all the time like almost once a week you're building up to a heavy single and maybe that's not exactly the case but like you're doing some sort of barbell work every week at a a high percentage one lift at a time so you're very comfortable and familiar with this and you enjoy doing it in the gym this is just like the gym except 15,000 people are watching which makes it even cooler so I walked up to each bar like with a big smile on my face and like kind of like that happy but hungry to lift the weight vibe flowing through my body so i enjoyed that one a lot yeah when it comes to that workout and that lift you ended up hitting 355 whereabouts does that sit on your like your continuum of your closest your one rep max so my best clean ever is 365 and yeah so going into that i I didn't necessarily expect to match my pr i kind of said based on how we were all feeling i didn't know what everybody was going to hit i said i want to hit at least 335 I would love to hit 345 and I'll be super pumped if I hit anything 355 or above so I was super pumped that I hit 355 would have been awesome to hit that 365 and believe it or not I actually as I was working my way through the ladder I was feeling better and better and as I stepped up to the 365 I in my head I was like you're hitting this for sure like I was feeling so good that I thought I was going to hit it. And I ended up kind of pulling too hard, actually, which I was not expecting to happen. And the bar crashed on me a little. Like I had too much height on it at 365 and the timing was off. And that caused me to do like the double bounce and not quite stand it all the way up. But um, I was pretty happy with the way that my strength felt on that. And I feel like if my strength levels in the, the near future are the same as they were that day. And I reattempt something at that weight or above and time it right that I should be able to stand it up because it felt so good. Yeah. Like you're, you're definitely right. I remember the pole, the pole looked good. It popped up and it was just a matter of like you, you in that time of format, you had 20 seconds. I believe you couldn't really get another attempt that quickly um, making it a really good attempt. So I totally get it. Moving on to the, the tiebreaker. Cause that was a cool format to watch, especially when it was a one-on-one yeah. format like you and Saxon. The thing he mentioned was that all weekend he had put his chip timer on, I believe his right leg. And then that one, that workout, for whatever reason, he decided to put it on his left leg. Did you know, I guess, before going into like, you, you have to be aware of what leg you're going to dive with. And did you know you're going to go for the dive when it happened? Yeah, that's actually interesting that Saxon said that and not to, uh, I, I might be wrong, but he might be as well. I, I feel like they always actually only put the chip timer on our left leg. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I didn't think that we had the choice on that at all. And with that being the case, or at least in my head, I'm used to it being on my left leg and trying to always finish with that left leg forward. Even if it's not like 
a race in that moment with somebody else. When I'm crossing the finish line, I'm thinking about other heats. And I know that I have in the past crossed with maybe my right leg and lost by a millisecond to somebody else. Actually, in a strong man's fear, what was that, last year or two years ago, yeah. Scott Panchik took third and I took fourth. And it was by like half a second. And that was right there. That's it. Like just crossing the finish line with the wrong leg. And he was in the heat before me. So I didn't even see it happen. And that was the difference between me and a thousand dollars just because I stepped with the wrong foot forward. So, um, I guess I, at this point I'm used to it and it paid off there, but man, that was a pretty exciting finish. I know for myself and for everybody watching it's, it was a cool video cause we both dove across and I was like, Oh my gosh. And Saxon and I like hugged and looked up at the, the, the scoreboard and saw that I'd edged him out. And I don't know, I think neither of us were too, too mad at that point. So yeah, no, Sex it, was, it was a good kid. It was fun to throw down with him like that. It was fun to watch for sure. Um, carrying that into to Sunday, um, when you're wearing, you know, that leader jersey for as long as you were wearing it, what is that feeling <clears throat> like wearing it around? Is it feeling like, hey, this thing fits, like this is supposed to be mine? Or how do you get over that mentality? Because I can imagine, I could be wrong, but I can imagine Matt brewing in the background, like super intense and wanting his <laughs> wanting the jersey back, but you're yeah. you're you're a bit your persona is a little bit different. Like you're not, I don't know, you, you don't seem like the type that is quiet and you know super stoic and and trying to be, um, I don't want to say rude to other people, but like you're in your zone compared yeah. to say Matt, right? So how do you go through that? Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, as uh, cheesy as it may sound to use this phrase again, but I really felt like the happy but hungry thing. I was like, man, it feels good to be wearing this. And I felt like this internal and external smile. And I, at the same time, didn't want that to impact the way I was performing. So I was like, I'm still going to get after it. I'm still hungry to perform well. So it was a good mix of like feeling good and enjoying it, but not letting it impact me too much or be overwhelming in a positive or negative way. And I actually, I wrote in my journal, it's sitting in front of me to see if I can find the page on, uh, um, where did it go? Yeah. So I wrote my intention for Saturday. Once I had the leader Jersey, I said, don't change anything. This leader jersey won't shake me. I'll continue to play my game, be smooth when I feel like I need to, and just like yesterday, turn it on when I feel like I can. Keep smiling, have fun in this thing, and keep taking care of my body. And so that was it, man. That was kind of my, my mindset the whole time through, even all the way until the last event. Yeah, no, I think that's an awesome way to look at it for sure. And I, I kind of relate to that just in terms of athletics because like, I find when I was more serious as an athlete, trying to be that, that person that I wasn't and focusing too much, I, I was almost doing too much thinking in my own head instead of just having fun mm. with it and letting your athletic you know, performance take over. So yeah, I, I definitely get what you're saying when it comes to things like that. When it comes to you know, the standard, I, I thought that was an awesome workout, a great way to finish it, and definitely in terms of the spectacle, but also just in terms of the test. Like it was three three uh, standard workouts when it comes to Grace, 30 Mile Slops for Time, and Isabel. Yeah. Take me through that when it was announced and then also as it was going through because, you know, there was still a potential possibility that you would you could unseed Matt. Matt would have to, you know, fail or he'd have to, he'd have to struggle and a lot of people would have to do well. Uh, I believe two people had to finish through. But was your, was your mindset going into that workout, okay, don't lose second place or was it, I want to get first place. What was your thoughts there? To be honest, it was neither. Like okay. I, there was pretty much no chance that Matt was going to blow up on that workout. That's like yep. his wheelhouse, right? Like if you give that dude a barbell and some rings, you know, he's going to do great. Um, so I wasn't thinking about him falling off and me like sneaking ahead of him. And there was a really big spread between myself and BKG for second and third or even myself in fourth so before going out for the event I realized like wow I'm actually relatively guaranteed to get on the podium and that was kind of overwhelming I looked at my coach and I like almost teared up and I was like dude we did it I know it's not first place and that was what we wanted but holy smokes like I'm finally gonna get on the podium and 
I like swallowed that down and didn't want the emotion to set in just yet. But I went out on, onto the floor and I, I have a photo of like coming through the tunnel when they announced my name. And I just like, again, was trying to be in the moment and soak up the feeling and the joy. And some people probably would have thought that I would have been disappointed because I had just lost the leader jersey. And there was about 20 minutes in the back where I was. But once I took the floor, I was letting that go and was once again just going to cap the weekend off in a good way. And uh, I, I liked the way that that event went down. I, I liked the movements for me. So I was like, just same thing. Go do your thing. Be smart about it. I think everybody was going to go singles on the clean and jerks, nice fast singles. And on the muscle ups, could have either taken a big risk there and tried to go tens because you had to advance every 10 mm -hmm. or could have been the more mature, smart path of doing five each set or sets of five all the way through, which is what I ended up doing. And it kind of worked. And that's not the way that I typically compete, I guess. But it was kind of cool to see myself do those smaller sets, but stay consistent and then kind of slowly take the lead from Matt and BKG and Scott. And I finished the final set of muscle ups and got to the barbell first, actually. And uh, that was pretty cool. But again, I, I knew Matt was right behind me. So I didn't start thinking about like, oh, my God, I have to finish these snatches ahead of him because then I could beat him. Um, he stepped up and hit five in a row and I almost like <laughs> smirked and wanted to give him like a little clap, like good for you, pal. But uh, <laughs> I, I stuck to my guns and finished my singles all the way through. The only thing I wish I maybe would have done, I did the last three reps touch and go. Matt beat me by four seconds. So in my mind, I'm like, huh, I wonder if I did the last five touch and go, if I would have been able to beat him on that event. Again, it wouldn't have changed anything on the overall leaderboard, but it would have been a pretty sweet finish to the weekend. Yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, too, it's it's nice to it's nice to head into your next season of training thinking, hey, I beat him on the last one, or I've, I've at least beat him on workouts. It's nice to have right. that in your pocket, in your head, for sure. And you're right, mm -hmm. like that that moment as a spectator when uh, when Matt started Isabel with with five unbroken snatches, I believe it was, it was like, okay, like, he's he's still here. I mean, the, the interesting thing watching it, though, was that although he hit five unbroken, he was... He pretty much hit five unbroken to tie up with you at that point. Like he wasn't his five unbroken, didn't actually move it him incredibly ahead of you. Right. Um, just because right, right. the way you were cycling the barbell too. So it's, it was a good. It was fun to watch, but at the same time, it was almost like, is is it going too fast for his own capacity? Right. So when it comes to you know finishing out that year, you know you you have that second place finish. You knew it's locked up. What are those? What's those moments like? And who are you sharing those moments with? just after the games are over as you're, you know, you're sitting around eating pizza or maybe not and waiting for that podium picture to, to take place. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was exactly that. Actually, we went out for some pizza after with all of the really special people in my life that were there that weekend um, in the moment, like just after when I, I knew I had secured second place in the crowd. I was able to find my mom and my fiance and my best friend, Bijan and Guido, who are all like probably some of the most important people in my life. So to be able to connect with them right there was really special. Um, and then once we did the award ceremony and were able to go have a little celebratory dinner, we have a little bit of a tradition now out in Madison. There's a pizza spot that has an ice cream place right next to it that we've gone the past few years. And it was, again, just that, that group um, with a handful of other people that are really close and special to me and, and love and support me no matter what. And it's fun to celebrate the success with them, but it's also cool to know that we would have still been sitting there in the same place with the same people had I taken 20th place, 50th place. Um, but it was definitely more fun to be celebrating a second. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. So when it comes to this next season and, and the year that lies ahead, as I, we mentioned before we started talking, you know, like <laughs> there's almost no, no off season. I mean, Wad, uh, Palooza qualifiers started almost right away. Um, and then in less than 60 days, I think it's like 40 days-ish. We have the yeah. we have the open coming up. So, what does that off season look like for you? And uh, where where do you I guess have you sat down with Max? I'm assuming Max is still with you. Um, in terms of what your 
season looks like? Have you picked out what qualifiers you want to go to and all those kinds of things? Uh, not necessarily. We kind of have looked at some of them and maybe put some thought into it, but haven't made any full decisions. Um, obviously going to do the open. Hopefully that'll go a little better this year than it did last year. And I can lock up a qualifying spot there, which will give me the freedom to go and compete kind of as I would like to, and not as I would have to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm excited for it, man. I, I feel pretty good actually. Um, this year's games for me weren't as physically and emotionally exhausting as they have been in, in years past. So coming off that, I taking like a little week rest and then working out slowly. And when I felt like it was really good. And now that I'm kind of back, not necessarily into the full swing of things, but training five days a week now for the past couple of weeks and doing a couple of sessions, like, I feel good and I don't feel like I had to play this big catch up where last year I would take two week, two or three weeks completely off and then two or three weeks of like class workouts or whatever. And then when I got back to my actual program, it was kind of like, Oh man, this is, this is rough. Um, and I feel like I don't feel that way this year. I feel like I maintained my fitness during our little break. I don't feel like we started back too soon. Cause I know that could be a thing too. If people like, rush back into training they could kind of burn out I don't feel that way I feel good and healthy and happy but hungry so I'm ready to rumble 2020 hopefully is another great year what's the biggest thing you have to address over these next 11 months to stand on top of the podium and not just on the podium I don't think that there is any one absolutely glaring weakness that like I'm going to dedicate all my energy to. I think if mm-hmm. you look at the leaderboard, the the run stuff for distance is probably where I had my, my two worst finishes. I think I was 24th on the ruck and then like a 16th or an 18th or something on the first event, which had the four 400 meter runs in there. So I feel like if I can, uh, get that a little better which I worked on a lot last year and I mean hopefully it paid off who knows how I would have done if we hadn't trained a bunch of running over the course of last year but if I continue to train the general stuff the way that I did this past year but then um, also kind of continue to sharpen my focus on the run stuff that could be all it takes and if I can bring that same mindset and play the game the way that I did this year I think it was obviously very very close so we will see. I'm just going to, again, try not to let the same way that I avoided the pressure of wearing the leader jersey to affect me that weekend. I'm not going to let the pressure of going into this next season. Undoubtedly, people are going to say that it's going to be the battle of me and Matt. And there's only one person that pushed him last year. And can Noah do it this year? And that's cool. Like I'll let people say all that and enjoy that. But I'm not going to let that impact me. And I'm not going to put that pressure on myself. I'm just going to go out there and do my thing one more time. Awesome. Yeah. I I love that perspective on it for sure. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, it's fun to follow you as an athlete just because like you, you take those events very seriously and obviously trying to, to win them or try to do well at them. Um, But you have fun along the way doing different things, whether it's workouts or whether it's, you know, like two weeks from now, you're going to Hawaii from the sounds of things and join up the Hawaiian trail run. So Tell me, I guess, about your involvement with that. I think you've done it a couple years, if I if I remember correctly. Um, but you're also looking for some fundraising for that. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, thanks for allowing me the platform to spread that. Um, this is my second year going, actually. But I've, I've been aware of the event for a few years. And this past year was the first year that Ramwad got involved. As far as I know, I might be wrong there. But um, Ramwad is one of my favorite and uh, closest sponsors and they brought their team out there to participate last year and this year as well so getting to experience it firsthand last year I really only thought of the trail run as like just that a trail run and I was like oh yeah they like interact with kids on the island cool but being there in person I realized that no it's all about the kids and the program is designed for the kids of Hawaii and there's actually a pretty bad drug problem out there. So this program where they're able to pick kids up from school, take them to do CrossFit, feed them every day, take them home where 
there are kids that don't really have the resources to do that, to afford a gym membership and good food and get a ride home. They provide all of that for these kids for free, just based on the fundraising from the trail run. And uh, it's, it's a really cool program that helps keep the kids doing stuff like that rather than, I, I guess, well, again, I didn't really realize this, but them getting into drugs because they kind of get stuck on the island and they just surf and do or sell drugs. And it's a pretty severe issue. So they kind of shed some light on that and help kids walk a better path than that. So the trail run is just a fundraising effort for that. So when people donate and kind of get excited about the trail run, it's really helping this program where they're able to provide that for the local kids of Hawaii. Yeah, I think that's an awesome initiative. Like it, and it's something that, you know, as CrossFitters, we don't often look at is, is, is the impact that it can make on just getting to the gym and the, how that's not always available to everybody. Cause like at the end of the day, like CrossFit isn't really that cheap. And, and while, you mm -hmm. know, I think it's, it's worth every dollar that people put towards their gym memberships for sure, but it's not exactly the $18 a month that you get for a good life membership. And, and that, and that comes with, you know, good things and bad things. So I think that's something that it's, it's awesome that you, people like yourself are giving that platform to help people um, and help kids get into to something that's positive um, and a positive environment. And one of the things about yeah. that too, if you're, if anyone's looking to go into it, like if it's something that I didn't uh, know a ton about the Hawaiian share room, but it's more than just like your average 5k where you just show up, have breakfast, run a 5k and call it a day. Um, one, you get muddy, which is super cool, but also like there's a ton of different events. Um, like there's, I think there's an aerobic capacity seminar with Chris Hinshaw. Mm -hmm. There's a work, there's a workout with you. There's a workout with Kara Saunders. There's a bunch of different events um, and different ways to kind of connect that makes it almost like a festival of fitness. For sure. well, right. So it yeah. seems like a really cool experience. Yeah. They've done a good job of turning that entire week into uh, kind of like you said, a little festival, which is pretty cool. So I'm looking forward to it. get to hang with all the Ramwad peeps out there and, have some fun with the crazy little Hawaiian kids. It's going to be a good time. Awesome. Well, that's everything I wanted to ask you, Noah. Um, I guess once more, can we uh, find out where we would connect with you in terms of following you on Instagram, Facebook, all those kinds of things, and on your YouTube channel as well? Yes, sir. Same places as last time. It would be on Instagram at N-O-H-L-S-E-N. And I believe it's the same on Twitter, although I don't use that very often. Um, Facebook as well. I, I was having a conversation the other day with somebody. I don't know if Facebook is used as often as it was in the past. But if anybody still is on Facebook, find me, Noah Olson, on there. And then my website is noaholson.com. Pretty simple. Appreciate everybody's support. Yeah, and you can check out Noah in the latest, I think it's latest anyways, episode of uh, the Buttery Bros when they were down in Miami checking things out that way for Wadapalooza. So definitely watch yeah, it there. Fun. And I'm assuming you'll be in this year's video as, or this year's documentary as well whenever the two of them launch that. Um, thanks, so much see. For, thanks so much for coming on, Noah. Uh, I wish you the best for this year. Hopefully it's not wall balls and rowing in the first, yeah. the first again. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you, Eric. Appreciate it a lot.